A home to call your own. An investment property. Two simple ways to provide amazing financial and emotional security for you and your family. It's often one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever have to make. Hello, I'm Christina and welcome to the School of Home Ownership. I love being part of a standard family, but I'm also a multi-property investor, having bought and sold over 50 properties in the last 25 years. During that time, I learned how to make my investments accelerate and how to avoid costly mistakes. Now I know how to reap the benefits of good property decisions. Allow me to take you on a journey that mines the golden nuggets of finance and property insights. Learn the ropes here within the walls of the School of Home Ownership. Hi, my name is Christina Jamison and welcome to the School of Home Ownership. We are currently producing podcast, Advice Worth Its Weight in Gold. And today we'll be talking about the importance of financial literacy with Kathy DeMarcos. So, Kathy, tell us a little bit about yourself and your big picture stuff. <laughs> so I guess um, my background is predominantly finance, more than three and a half decades in the industry. Where I'm sitting today is a little bit left field. Um, it's more focused on global issues. Financial literacy is a huge part of that. For me, understanding where you actually sit and the choices that you have through financial literacy also enables you from a mental health perspective. And I genuinely believe that because I've lived it. Um, having, you know, having gone through the different areas of banking and finance, you know, one of the very early stages of my career when I was sadly having to repossess people's homes, I realised that it didn't really matter what it was that you did or how good you were at it, if you could not actually hold the space for people and understand where they were sitting and meet them where they're at, then you really weren't achieving anything. And so while staying in finance, I embarked on a career that um, took me through a four-year degree of counselling and then practising. And I practised for about three years. So upon reflection, you know, financial literacy has really actually been at the core of everything that I've done, as have people. And so I think this is something that we have really understated in society. We don't teach it, we don't show it. And in fact, particularly women, they bury their heads, you know, as if somebody else can do it. Or the most common thing that I hear is, Kathy, numbers aren't my thing. And so for me, from a global position, it is something that I'm very passionate about. It's why I'm engaged to actually, you know, go and work in Africa and do work in other continents so that I can really bring that sort of knowledge to grassroots and we can really rise from grassroots up. Yes, and, uh, and um, I did meet you at a point where we were discussing, um, and I guess it, it surprised me. So just as a background, um, I have a very big passion about helping women um, with domestic violence background. And one of the things that surprised me that you said is that uh, while women could have millions of dollars and could be quite wealthy, they could still find themselves in cars. And it broke my heart to hear that. Yeah. Um, 
it, uh, domestic violence breaks your heart uh, on the best of days, but I guess um, it doesn't really matter how wealthy you are. It's, um, I guess, in these sort of days, it is important no matter what to have, to be able to make financially wise decision. Um, yes, on your own. Yeah, it's, it's interesting the perception that I think we all have, you know, based on an external appearance. And whilst I don't necessarily want to just focus on women, it is predominantly women that seem to place themselves in a position of vulnerability, I'll say. And what I mean by that is that, you know, when we were young, what are we actually subconsciously shown? Well, we need to look pretty. You know, don't wear that. This is much prettier. And instantly with social media, what do we do? We watch other women putting on makeup. And so where's the focus in any of our downtime? It is on things really that are materialistic. But from a male perspective, you know, they're taught how to negotiate through sport. You know, they're actually taught and focused on things like math and science through school. They are assumed things that nobody ever thinks about, which is why we actually, I, I believe, you know, grow up with this belief that we need to be like this as opposed to this, you know, from a gender perspective. And so bridging that gap is really critical. But more importantly, you know, I say to people, if you've heard this conversation, you're now aware. Now it becomes a choice, right? And so even for the women who are incredibly wealthy and living a very comfortable life, you know, I ask a really simple question. What would happen should you not actually have your partner? Should you not have your father? Should you not have whatever the circumstances are? Can you stand alone and make decisions financially and know that they're actually the best decisions for you? And I think that sort of goes to the point that really um, it's parents, I guess the beginning is parents having the biggest influence. Uh, and if people know my background, um, my parents were very strong and in a position where um, we had to learn about finances. Mm -hmm. Interesting, another story, I had a, a friend who um, assumed everything was really good. Uh, she was just engaged. Uh, and then a few days later, everything fell apart for her. So her parents had given her the perception that everything was good, mm -hmm. that she had this beautiful home, and she found out that she was actually bankrupt. And they were just keeping up the appearances, which totally shocked me. But it's not uncommon uh, that I come across a lot of people with, mm -hmm. I don't know, what's a fancy car? A BMW, I don't know, Jaguars, Mercedes, I don't know, Teslas. Um, and they're not actually got the finance behind it. So there's lots of leasing mm -hmm. agreements and so forth, and they have to keep the perception, but actually don't have the substance behind it. So I found that quite interesting. And another story that you had discussed with me that um, even somebody that's, was it a, a model? Oh, yes. um, I don't know if you, it's your story, so I'll let you tell that one. So, you know, one of the catalysts was in fact, for me looking at what else that I could do, um, was in fact a catwalk model. Um, we had to repossess her home you know, because she was coming toward the end of her career and 
Nobody ever really talks to you about how to manage your money when you're earning lots of it. You know, all of a sudden you come into this income stream, but you spend just as much as you're earning to maintain a particular lifestyle. Well, when it comes to the end of that, what happens? There's nothing because you haven't actually planned for it. And so, you know, she actually reached the stage where she didn't really know her purpose in life anymore and had actually reached out to me sadly because she was ready to commit suicide. Um, and so, you know, I go back to that point of you really don't know who it is that's sitting in front of you. That perception that you may have about the lifestyle that they're leading and how comfortable they are isn't always what we actually assume. There's, there's always this thing that um, I want to earn so much money that I never have to worry about it. I can do whatever I want. But there is always a limit to doing whatever you want, I guess. There will always be limits. I don't think there is anyone. Um, yeah. Even watching, I watched Elvis Presley. Did you see the movie? Yeah. Um, and at, well, towards the end, it was a question of he wanted to leave his agent. But basically, if he did, he'd be broke. And I was yeah. just, um, it's like it shocked me. This man was making like the most money that any you know singers ever made, I suppose, yeah. uh, and was going to be broke. And it was all about we won't be able to keep our home. The basic, I guess, what I consider financial stability is your home. For my, for a lot of people, um, if not most, yeah. it's your home is your financial stability. So I find that interesting. Another point that you were saying, um, and we're looking at trying to develop, I guess, uh, a course for street smarts, particularly for young people is that yes, the social media, keeping up with the Joneses, the look, and that's one of the issues that we found is quite difficult, that you have to keep and running around this image that's actually taking your finances and the peer pressure that comes around it, especially for younger people. Yeah. Um, but surprisingly, the, I'm finding middle-aged people doing the same. I guess there's always the pressure that you always want to fit in, no matter what, it's not just teenagers. Yeah. Um, it's always that you just want to feel it, um, fit in. And as, as you get older, I think you have enough confidence and say, stuff everyone. I'll yeah. just do whatever I want to do and you know, make sure my purpose is right. Mm. So thank you for that. So any advice? Um, I know that similar to you, um, I'll have to give credit, <coughs> Kathy. I'm sitting in her very beautiful home, so she practices what she preaches. Um, and she's also, I think, it's very important that she's taught her kids yeah. some of the basics. Um, like for myself, um, we found the really big difference when they have to spend money out of their own pocket. So we'd go to the movies and I, um, you know, initially would buy them, you know, anything, you know, they wanted. Well, it was constantly, I want this, I want that. And then we went to the movies, I say, okay, you pay for the snacks. And it was such a, you really know when they switched on because they're saying, I'm not paying that much for water. I'm bringing my own water bottle and, um, and I'm not going to pay for that at the movies. I'll bring my own snacks from, you know, the local IGA. So I guess that is teaching the basics of finances. And I found another cup, I remember, I think it was at Dr. Phil, but these hmm. parents, um, they wanted, so they had money. Their parents didn't have any money. I think they were migrants. And they were just wanted to give everything to their kids, anything that they wanted. Yeah. And they were living this, you know, with credit cards because they wanted that feeling their kids to feel loved. Um, mm. And of course, you know, it's going to backfire because you're just not made out of money. And to translate and change, when you're talking about, you know, um, psychology, changing that money and love yeah. aren't 
necessarily the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and teaching your children about budgeting and is setting them up actually for financial success in the future. Absolutely. I think I shared with you earlier, you know, one of the things, you know, as a parent, you really don't know what you're doing. There is no manual, you know, and everybody's coming from a really different position. But I guess because, you know, of my lived experiences, um, when I became a parent, you know, one of the things that I thought was normal was showing, you know, my kids exactly what you just, you know, were talking about. So I actually had set up contracts and, you know, got them to think about what is it that they really need to make decisions on. So, you know, mitigating risk, critical thinking, all the things that are not taught in school um, and financial literacy. So we set out a plan <clears throat> where I said to them, here's a black sheet of paper, here's your contract. You write down whatever chore you want to do and tell me what you want to be paid for it. And we'll talk about that and how often are you going to do it? Because this is now actually going to be your opportunity to buy whatever you want, willy-nilly, plan for the things that you actually want to buy, like a netball or a soccer ball. And the long-term things, so if you want to go on a holiday. And things that you won't actually be able to touch. Oh, and by the way, do you want insurance? And I still remember the kids go, insurance, what's insurance? And I said, well, if you're sick, do you still want to actually be paid? And they went, well, when am I going to be sick? <laughs> Never. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so they're thinking, do I take that risk? How much is it going to cost me? Right? And, of course, they had to pay tax, so automatically they got a 10% deduction for nothing. I guess because because <laughs> Well, yes, you know. Um, and it was those little simple things, and they had to commit to charity. You know, I remember my kids actually sitting in the back of the car and going, well, how much is in yours? Because we were listening to a fundraiser, you know, on the radio. It was some national, you know, fundraising thing. And they had heard a story of, you know, one of the little boys. And they were, I could hear them, you know, whispering in the back, how about this? Let's do this together. You know, and then boldly they'll go, right, mum, we're going to actually donate to this. We think we've got this much money, you know, can, can you actually ring up and donate that? And it, that brought a tear to my eye because it meant that they were conscious. You know, it wasn't just a thing that they needed to do. They were thinking about it. And so can I just tell you, you know, that was three different bank accounts that they had to have. They had to commit to charity. Um, they still do that. And I was only just talking to, you know, my son not very long ago. And he said, and then you actually made, you know, mum, do you remember you made the boxes to actually show us? And those last ones were locked down. We couldn't access them. <laughs> and I went, oh, I actually don't remember that. But the message that I was getting was, but who doesn't know how to budget? I don't understand. And I said to him, it's interesting because we lived that. That was what our, you know, life was. That's assumed knowledge. You don't know what you don't know. So but how many people actually do that? How many kids grow up understanding that, right? And so it dawned on me that 
we've got to start right at grassroots. And if it's not taught in schools, I can actually redo all of that to make it accessible to kids. And then they're also educating their parents at the same time. You know, so we can do so much in society, you know, from the small things that actually equip that mobilization of knowledge to actually ripple out. And that's what I love about what I do. It's never about that one-on-one. -on -one. It's actually about, let me show you, you know, what it is that I'm actually doing. Let me show you the bigger impact on your community, your family, your community. And then I will equip you to then go out and do more for everybody else. And it's true, education hmm. is the biggest impact you can give people. Even third world countries, it's educating them. Absolutely. Um, and people not being educated is the biggest loss in a community. Mm. So education is the biggest empowerment. And you see societies that have an education and provide education, how they they blossom and when you know education is taken and it's quite often taken from women that's the first thing to go how mm. much of an impact that that it makes um you know you talk about um women one of the things that's been highlighted particularly for the education of women is is that whatever knowledge they take it isn't just for self they actually pass that on and anything that they earn from an income perspective actually goes back to family and their community so they basically reinvest which is a bigger difference between you know this is generalizing but the male and female um, gender and how they actually look at money so if we can educate women and if we can educate children then we are really shaping a really different tomorrow um, it is one of the reasons why, you know, I teach financial literacy predominantly to women, even though, you know, I have lots of men, even accountants who actually take part and go, you know, we know numbers, but the way that you talk about it is different. And applying that into their personal lives is another thing altogether, because you don't tend to do that, right? Um, in business, Christina, one of the things that I find fascinating is that <laughs> they look at business with it's turning over enough money, but are they actually drawing a salary that's coming through month after month or are they waiting to see what sits at the end of that period and then go, okay, there's enough for me to take some money out? Because that's a hobby. That's not a business and if you're not replacing what you would be earning as a salary and you don't go in with that sort of lens, then you're doing yourself a disservice. And that's, I think, one of the really key indicators you know, of financial literacy. It's not what most people think. You need to genuinely be positioning, your, positioning yourself for freedom, that freedom of choice, you know, whatever that is, um, which is why... I think I shared with you earlier, you know, we're developing an app that's about to um, hit the market the second half of this year. And it is for businesses and it is actually for individuals, but there will be one for kids. And why? Because if we can go back to your point, educate people and make it easy, then we are equipping them then to make the decisions that, you know, will actually serve them, not somebody else serve them. Thank you for that. Um, and I think we could talk all day for that, <laughs> but we should um, stop at some point. Um, so if you want to know more information about Kathy, 
at solutions to you mm -hmm. um, on the, her website and of course you're always welcome to look up School of Home Ownership for more tools and resources in regards to making financially street, street smart solutions uh, and education. Thanks. Mm -hmm.